0: You are listening to episode 224 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan.
1: Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we only have one speed in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge.
0: So this week, of course, we played a little bit of Uniracers on the Super Nintendo. Well, we I played on tried. Super Nintendo. Yeah, you, you played on a different method uh, that we'll get to in our inflation deflation segment this week. But uh, first, you know, we were we we're trying to think about like, you know, do we mix up the format last week? Do we not? It was more so my idea to like, let's see how it goes. We both ended were like, no, like we always wants to monkey with things. Hey, look, I got a monkey of stuff whenever I can. Um, so we'll go back into our, you know, recent pickups and such, even though I know Ryan, you've got the layout as articles and whatnot. But let's go ahead and mention that you can find us on thegameinflators.com, our out of date website. You can find us on YouTube, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Game you can find us on Twitter at GameInflators, and of course, if you're listening to us on your podcast app right now, leave us a five star review and leave a five star review on any other applications. Yes, please. Yep, that was four. Five. There we go. Okay. Recent pickups and currently playing. Uh, Let's see. PlayStation Plus games for the month of February.
1: This was a pretty decent lineup this time. It actually was. I kind of uh, (laughs)
0: went circumvent around it a bit. Yeah, so uh, Ollie, Ollie Racer, whatever it was, or Ollie Boarding. I don't know the name. It looked kind of dumb when it first was announced, but I'll take it for free. Uh, Mafia. The, like remastered collection or something or whatever version it was don't know if i'll play it but it's on there and i'm completely forgetting what the other game was all of a sudden uh but there were some good games on the playstation plus collection this month um you know as far as like nor like standard not premium or extra whatever it was just a base uh collection picked them all up so did that um let's see i also got eldest souls it came out on uh ps5 via limited run games so i grabbed that finally came in honestly probably like the fastest turnaround for a limited run games order i've ever had uh, so that was kind of cool to get that game and uh don't on me for this but i got the new D book keys from the golden vault the alternate cover mm. yeah so that one's pretty cool it's um supposed to be like these basically like one shots essentially or mini campaigns on heist So essentially bank heists and that sort of stuff. Uh, so the idea here is potentially use one of them and modify it to where it'll work for Strixhaven. So that's, that was kind of my thought process there. Apparently it's some pretty good stuff. So we'll check that out. And as far as currently playing is concerned, uh, I got Cardia, um, you know, in the PS one and or not PS one, but in the PS three, I've been playing that. And then I've also got Catherine running in the PS three uh, when I play with my wife. And so those are two games that are currently on my list. And
1: have, and, you, have you made but, it through Cardia? I know last week you were like stuck at a boss and like, or a oh, battle. Yeah. to Grind.
0: So I kind of figured out a way to grind slash not figured out a way to grind. So obviously your characters as a kill enemies, a, gained more experience than they would if they just did a regular attack or healed or something along those lines. And so what I ended up doing is creating more phantoms and the phantoms are fine. Like when you create the phantoms, but it's about the equipment you make. So I started making like more and more equipment that was like higher end. So um, like military boots and warrior katanas and adding plus ones and all these other things to it. And yeah, I've been able to get past things pretty quickly since then. So you just weren't
1: using all of your systems
0: yeah essentially and there's you know ways to make things stronger then you have to consider like okay well they have X doll phantoms so I want to make X common phantoms and then they have X shadow phantoms so I need to make you know more doll phantoms and so on so you kind of have to balance things out in that respect um but I got past that one area I'm on chapter chapter nine I think out of or chapter 10 chapter nine or 10 out of 17 on the first part. Which is um, Lacrima, I think is how you pronounce her name, or Lacrima. Uh, so her chapter, and then Toxa is the second chapter or second set of chapters. So once I beat her end, I have to beat Toxa's story as well. So I would say I'm probably about a quarter way through the game, and it, it's taking a long time. And it's not so much because it's like a big game or anything. It's because of the battles. You know, it could take me 30 minutes to an hour to finish a flipping battle. And it's all about the, you know, I'm trying to go through and use as much strategy as I can when defeating certain enemies. Like there was one where it was like, oh, you have to defeat this particular enemy. Well, that's great. If I got to beat that one guy, except for the fact, that he has all these other phantoms with him that have been summoned. And if I ignore those phantoms, they'll kill my characters. So I kind of have to go ahead and kill those phantoms. So battles take longer in that respect. Uh, there was one, it was like, kill all the thieves. Like, okay, so I killed like three of the four feeds and then they are like reinforcements have arrived. Here's five more feeds. Like what the hell? Like this would have been so much faster. And, and it's not even like, it's, you know, a big part of the story when that type of stuff happens, like, you know, there's no like dialogue that comes up that says, Oh no, like here's this other bad character. It's come in with recruitments. No, it's just like, we're going to pile on more into the battle. That's the only reason that's happening. You could easily get like the full blown experience. If you limit me in say 15 minutes of battle and a more dialogue and story that's tied to it versus a 30 minute, 40 minute battle that now I have to like trudge through just to get to like 15 minutes of dialogue. Like it's kind of annoying, but you know, I'm kind of liking the story for the most part. I'm going to go through like the game facts page and like reread all the chapters and make sure I catch everything of like what's happening. Uh, But it's definitely interesting. And, um, you know, it's not exactly my cup of tea. I'm starting to learn that I'm not as big of a fan of like um you know, strategic RPGs with that type of combat. I really like it just takes know, longer than you'd like. You prefer just like a turn-based yeah. JRPG style. Yeah, exactly. Like I like the JRPG style of battle, turn-based specifically, where you know, you're just like, okay, cool, there's this one big enemy that has ten thousand HP, and yeah. It's going to take me some time to whittle him down, but I know I'm going to beat him at some point in time. And just the ability to kind of flow with your characters differently. Like, okay, I got three characters. Whereas this is, I could be running like 12 to 15 characters in a battle and like having to individually move them and then think of their attacks and an the enemy having like 15 to 20 enemies that I like literally like up to 20 enemies. That yeah. I have
1: strategy to games are about getting into weeds with all that stuff i've only played like final fantasy tactics advance i think is like one of the only strategy games i've played i, like I love might have played that a couple of, but that's that made good. for gba so it's really yeah. probably pared down to be more like you're saying like probably more 15 to 20 minute than 20 to 30 minute battles
0: yeah and i, I remember some of those in tactics advance being a little you know long at times but that Game the portable had...
1: nature of it made it great too. Like, because you could yeah. just stop, save on your turn, turn it off, and then resume when you're ready. Whereas, like, when you're sitting down in front of a TV, like, you know, I don't know if this game does it have like mid battle save. So it yeah, does, so but you're in about, save, Like, yeah. you're not really leaving it, you're there for the whole time. Like you're not gonna stop yeah. at mid-battle, you're gonna get through that battle until you get to the next
0: dialogue and then stop, probably. Well, no. So actually last night I was playing a little bit and I haven't gone to dialogue. I'm like towards the tail end of a battle and I was getting tired. I'm like, oh, that's right. I don't have to like force myself to finish this battle, go through all the dialogue. Like a couple days ago, I was going through a dialogue and I was falling asleep, and there's no way for me to pause dialogue and save. And so I feel like I missed quite a bit of dialogue in that particular chapter. Um, whereas if I would have just like towards the end of the battle, saved it and just been like done with it, you know, and just kind of come back the next day, I would have been fine. So last night I started feeling myself fall asleep and I was like, oh, cool. I got two enemies left. Let me just save it right here. Come back to it tomorrow night. And then I'll be fresh for the dialogue, go through back, go through a battle, maybe more dialogue and kind of just go from there. So it does have in battle saving. It has pre battle saving as after battle saving. Um, so all of that's kind of it leads you in the direction of like being able to have some flexibility. It's when you get to a dialogue that you can't save or do anything. And there's no open world nature of it, no towns, none of that. So uh, you do kind of get screwed in that respect. Uh, but you know, overall, um, you know, if you were to compare it to something like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance on the GBA, I would 100% take Final Fantasy Tactics Advance over Cardia any day of the week. And a lot of that is because of the in battle dialogue that occurs. Um, because just the nature of like, you do have like permakill, I think in uh tactics advance, but you have a lot of similar characters that come up. So you're not kind of like if one of your like characters, you know, dies other than like a key character, it's fine. Right. But in this case, if any of the characters die, even if they're minor, if you have a minor character die, it it's game over. You got to restart your battle. And so that kind of sucks. Like the permakill nature of this game is related to just the phantoms versus, oh, I have this like number of characters I can kind of come across and different abilities. And if they die, it's fine. I'll just get more. This is like, nope. If you're one of your, you know, minor characters dies, start over. Cause they're, you know, really a big piece of the overall story, even though they're not. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much been it. And then Catherine, we God, with Catherine, we got to, uh, we just finished the first boss battle. Is this like Catherine. the new one with the extra Catherine? No, this is the one on PS3.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, we've been playing on PS3. I got the collector's edition on that um, as part of a great gaming pickup of 2020.
1: Are you doing good at it? I know it's a challenging puzzle game. Oh,
0: it's a bitch dude. Like um, the first like few levels are okay, cool. No problem. And then we got into like the first like Catherine fight uh, where the claws are chasing you and she's got a fork or something. She's trying to chase you down. And uh, yeah, that took us (laughs) quite a while. Luckily, we kept hitting like an extra like couple lives throughout. So it's like, okay, two lives. We lost one, two lives. We lost one because we'd get far enough. Um, but at some point my wife just was like, Nope, you take it. Like, I'm... okay. So you guys were both on the sticks and then you switched over. Yeah. The hard so like, stuff. well, yeah. So she was, she went through it like probably 10, 12 times and was getting to like the same part I was, uh, after I tried. And, uh, it, it got to a point where she was like, so she's not like the best at puzzle games like this or puzzle games, I should say. And, uh, you know, she, I, I am pretty good at games like this, but I was getting to a point where I was also getting stuck. So it was interesting because it gave her a chance to kind of sit back and watch it continue happening. Like what was going on. And then she started saying, Oh no, you got to go over there and move that block. You got to move that one. And she's you need held- like
1: a spotter in this game because it, it's really fast pace. You got to like mm-hmm. really be on point with where you're going and you only get like, a couple of mistakes that you can undo. Yeah. And then there's like, I mean, are you
0: getting like pushed around by sheep and stuff? Uh, not in the final battle, but yes, we were getting pushed around by sheep for a while. And it was in that not final battle, but it was in that boss battle where she was like, Hey, do this, do that, do that, Uh, where I'm a little faster at the controls and I don't have as many issues and like pushing blocks. Whereas like when she's playing, if she's under that pressure, she'll like move a block when she's not supposed to or like push one off the ledge and we're like, no, we need to use that. Uh, and it's game over, obviously, or restart the the fight. Um, whereas I'm a little better with that type of stuff. And she's good at spotting now. So it's been pretty, it's a good, interesting game. Like, you know, for a couple, I would say, actually, uh, this is definitely one to like, you're going to get frustrated, but if you're, I guess a strong enough couple and can get through these types of things and not yell at each other, it's definitely a fun game to like interact with one another and, point out the puzzle and try and solve things on the fly. Uh, we had a very similar experience with Lumo actually on a PS4, uh, which is another like cute little puzzle game. Well, not that's a cute puzzle game. Catherine is not. Um, but yeah, puzzle games like that are always very interesting to play together. And, uh, we're definitely liking this one. Nice. And then she's already decided her next game is gonna be last of us remastered since we're watching the show. Mm. and uh she's like yep i definitely need to play the game so i don't spoil it for me like the whole show i'm like don't worry you've already spoiled the whole show for yourself yeah can't go beyond that
1: yeah i was talking to a friend of ours uh the other day and you know i didn't i bounced off the last of us not that it wasn't like a fine like narrative or anything like i'm not gonna knock it because (laughs) who would it's like industry leading but just I don't know, it was giving me stealth that I wasn't working well with, and I'm not a huge fan of the, like, crafting stuff on the go, and, like, I I don't know, I just kind of bounced off of it a bit. I found it to be one of those games where I wanted to play, but when I had to do a section, like, three or four times over, I'm just kind of like, I just... I, I don't have the will to go on through this like it's just it's not motivatingly fun enough for me to continually push through that like wall I'm hitting and I mean what? I don't have the best track record of being good at games so it's probably a me problem what difficulty did you play it on uh, you know actually back then I might have been like trying to play on hard or something nowadays i just only play games on normal because i just want to see the end hopefully because that's usually the biggest barrier for me
0: yeah it depends on the game for me like sometimes i'll i'll put in hard mode just to put hard mode uh otherwise you know normal for the most part if i really want to get down with a game quick i'll put easy
1: like i'll play
0: i'll play a
1: normal game on hard mode but I won't play a hard game on hard mode. Like I wouldn't play God of war on hard mode. That'd be probably too much for me. I'm a normal God of war mode player. I played God of war on hard mode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard. It's just blocking. I'm not good at blocking in games. So Mm -hmm. usually hard mode makes you need to defend yourself a lot more than I'm willing to put the effort into in the game.
0: Yeah. uh, it, It definitely depends on the game, but games like God of war, Hard mode is, you know, fine for me. It it just takes a little bit. Right. But then again, now, nowadays I'm playing games like, you know, Dark Souls and Demon Souls and everything else you could think of that's going to be pretty difficult for the most part. Um, So games like God of War don't get as frustrating uh, when you have to deal with like constantly dying anyways in other games. So, yeah, I mean, it's mostly in Dark Souls and stuff just about your reaction timing
1: and how much of a window you need for like. Yourself because, like, your life is just like, okay, how many mistakes can you make and how good can your timing be? And once you get the timing down, you know, you could play level one naked all the way through, like the super people do. Like, I mean, it's just all about getting that into your bones.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. All right. Well, uh, how about yourself? Pickups so currently playing
1: a little story this week. Uh, some friends of mine started playing Borderlands 3. And I was like, you know what? I haven't played games with these friends in a while. Maybe I should do that. And they were like, oh, it's like multi-platform. You can play with anybody now. I was like, sick. So I downloaded it digitally on my Series S. And it was just a pain in the butt to connect. You got to use like the shift codes. And it like I had to go on the PSN app to get in a chat with them because they were all on PlayStation. I assumed at least one of them was on a computer, but they weren't. So I did a refund through Xbox, uh, and then I went to a local game store, and I bought a physical copy of Borderlands 3 for PS4 for 6 bucks. Look at me. I'm a used game buyer and owner. <laughs> for the first time, Like I can't remember the last time I went out and bought a used game. Like It's seriously been years since yeah. I've done that, really. So that felt pretty good. Uh, And then I signed up for, you know, just the base tier of PlayStation Plus again, because you need that to be able to play online. And then they announced that Borderlands 3 is going to be like free on PS Plus or something soon, I think. Well, I mean, six bucks isn't too bad. Yeah. And I got it. So, you know, it's like something I have. And I own all the other. Well, I own the first two Borderlands on Xbox. So it would have been kind of cool to get it on Xbox. But alas, Series S has no disk drive.
0: Yeah. Good point. Good point.
1: So that was just kind of a different thing for me. And, you know, I looked it up online and, you know, it was about the going rate or so, you know, even though, you know, sometimes local stores aren't the best. I felt like, hey, it was quick. It was easy. I was in and out. I
0: got what I wanted. You know, she a transaction. Where'd you go for it? What store? Fallout in Mesa. I figured. Yeah, they're actually pretty good. Yeah, their prices aren't terrible. They have so much Legos there, too. Oh, I know. They have those like giant, um, like wooden crate things that are like just piled with them. And you can make your minifigs and that type of stuff. It just it looks like a sea of germs to me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That is one that I would not dive into.
1: They need a uh, like one of those in the back of restaurant dishwashers, you know, where you just like slide the
0: tray in and close them and just trays of Legos running through. Or I just could run an entire like water system or you could pan for Legos. That works there too. You go. <laughs> <laughs> just like shaking it. Pan <laughs> for, for brick
1: <Brent> like... gold.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they have a lot of stuff there. Um their retro game prices are uh, they're okay. Like I mean, that's the thing. Anything
1: that's inflated now is gonna be inflated if you go to a store. But anything that's like Borderlands 3 is like a couple years old now. I mean, it was like okay. And they've got so many, like... The thing is, you can't even just buy like the regular edition digitally that I could find on PlayStation. They said that they got theirs for like nine bucks or something, which was the deal that was going on on Xbox for the digital. But when I went to the PlayStation store, I could only find the full price like PS4, PS5 bundle pack.
0: Hmm.
1: And I know that probably if I went to like playstation's website on a computer i could manually search and find just like that basic edition or something or maybe it was in like an ad header somewhere that you had to click on or maybe i missed it by a day i don't know but whatever it was i was like i'm just gonna i'm gonna take a gamble on returning this because i can always just buy it digitally again on xbox and just go to fallout tomorrow and see if it's there and boom worked
0: yeah um Listen, i've enjoyed going there they usually have some pretty decent prices retro hit or miss depends on what you're looking for it's if they priced it you know recently or not Mm -hmm. um you know but i've gone there and they've had things like right at ebay prices they've had things above ebay prices i'm like you guys are a physical retail location yes you have overhead but do you need to charge above ebay rates for some of your stuff
1: yeah, and, I mean, it all you know, just
0: depends, I guess,
1: on on what it is and what the demand is. Like, I mean, if they yeah. know that they've got the <clears> only copy of this game in the whole valley, it kind of doesn't matter what eBay
0: says the price is. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And their stores, by way, are so messy. <laughs> like they have so much stuff in those stores.
1: I've only ever been to the one I've seen at least one more. I think there's one like towards
0: Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah. There's supposed to be one out that way. So. All right. Uh Do we have any discussion topics this week that you want to cover?
1: Um, phew,
0: man, do if I? Not, I got some ideas. Yeah, go ahead. Hit. Okay. Me. So the first one is one piece because I always have to bring up one piece. I right? have not so read I, any more one piece. I know you have not. I just have to say if the Wano arc is the greatest arc of all time for one piece. It really? was. Okay. Oh, yeah, dude. It's phenomenal. Where are you at again? You're at Whole Cake Island. Yeah. They're making a cake right now. As oh fast as God, they dude. can. You, as fast as Ryan can read. That's about what it is. Um, because it gets made, just you know. Uh yeah, so I finished a Wano Arc. Um, how much of that do you know about, by the way? I have a
1: little figure of a guy, and I know that um Kaido is there and he's massive. I'm pretty sure he's like a dragon. I okay. So, I suspect you know, I, that there's a bunch of stuff tied in with like the smile fruit. And I think he's building like, if I remember, he's building like an army of like fake whatever that level
0: of power is. What's yeah. the power
1: level where uh, you turn into animals?
0: Smile. <laughs> like okay. it's, it's literally like the smile. Like, so if you have like a dog, it would be like the dog, dog smile fruit, basically. Mm. Yeah. So what color okay. are the smile fruit? Uh, they look like an apple and an A are like red and yellow. If I recall. Okay. I've been reading the manga recently. So, and the smile for stuff is so far off. So obviously like the anime ends like mid battle between Luffy and Kaido, but the, the manga of course concludes it. And as far as is it Zach that was telling you like probably, things, yeah. Yeah. So yes, they do have a crap ton of things that are coming up now. Uh, within the manga where you're like oh my god and then like after this arc uh after the Wano arc i started reading a little bit more and they of course you know are going to different islands and such and they get to this next island and they just revealed something crazy and i was like no this like, has to be probably possible. what zach
1: was telling me about at one point i i assume it's all got to be like pony glyph stuff
0: no not really it, it's not pony glyph stuff i mean there's pony glyph stuff but No, like, and I is it Luffy's next form? Because I remember seeing that like posted all over the internet. The white one? I think so. I don't know. So, so yes, Luffy's next form, the gear five is. Don't tell me about it. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's ridiculous, but that is a huge, huge part of like the, oh my God, what the hell's happening? I think Um, Zach
1: said something that like, you find out what like Luffy's real power is. mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not what you really thought it was this whole time. No. And then when they reveal like the true nature and kind of dig into details on it, you're just like, holy crap. Like this just opens up everything. Like it just blows it up. Dude, you got to read. You have I, to read. I, it. I, I, I will. I will. Okay. I have given you all the assets to read it in color. Mind you, in color. You can read this manga. John,
1: I've been reading this for longer than you even knew what One Piece was. Yet I have
0: surpassed <laughs> you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that, that's that been really good uh, to read that. So I'm on like chapter 1061, which I think is 13 chapters behind like the current manga. Mm. So you'll be um, caught up by the next week for sure. Yeah. And then I have started reading or I started watching the anime again because, you know, new episodes come out weekly. So I, I watched an episode yesterday and I got one more. Uh, to get to 1052. So that's pretty cool. You know, what are you gonna I'll tackle next? It. Um Cardia. Berserk? No. Uh, although my brother wants me to to read Berserk or at least watch the 97 anime or 99 anime. So I gotta at least do that so he stops bitching at me about it. Uh the Berserk uh, manga is so good. Yeah, I've heard, but it's not done yet, right? No, and he passed away, but I guess his like assistants are gonna finish it. Yeah, that's what I was- Hearing about Justin was telling me all about it because he keeps up with that one too. Um, Let's see what else do we have. Oh, D and D. So, just want to ask you, last session, you know, thoughts on it? Anything crazy that you you yourself have planned? I don't think any of our other players listen to the podcast. So you'd be pretty open in what you say. Definitely gonna check out that chair. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> that was such a that was such an on the fly thing that I did we're for like, you guys. We're in a
1: like a school right it's like the school the college for magic and I mean we're definitely I guess playing up the school aspect a bit extra because that's fun so like as soon as we walk into the library John's like oh there's like uh, a wall with postings for like clubs and activities and stuff and I'm just like maybe
0: somebody's got a couch for sale (laughs) And of course, as a DM, you have to make the couch happen right on the spot. So it was a, uh, <laughs> a chair of magical resting or a seat of magical resting is what it was. And they're like, seat of magical resting. We have to go check this out when we're done. So like the entire time we're going through the uh, the main you know story for the campaign and you and Joel are just like, yeah, can't wait to get my hands on that couch. <laughs> i think it was cool there's
1: man did you send us a huge list of school activities yeah so this was kind of my mentality like everybody else was kind of like talking to everybody i guess i kind of joined i joined the art club or whatever because i'm the only person who's like in an art class Mm -hmm. um but i kind of want to just like take my time because it's like this is only our first semester we're gonna have multiple years so it's like i don't necessarily want to go get like two jobs and a class and stuff, because I just, I don't really think that that's what I would do or what my character would really want to do in that circumstance. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then I think that the, uh, I don't know. The overall feel is really cool. Like, I think we're all starting to like get into our characters a bit. Um, I think that the like location is going to be, More and more fun as we learn more and more about it. Like, we ran into one of our professors, and like, uh, everybody thinks that Joel is a teacher. Like, there's a lot of already really fun stuff going on. And it's like,
0: yes, cool. I'm excited. I want to keep going. (laughs) The whole, like, I've officially just made that canon moving forward. Like, anytime a student sees Joel, like, oh, hey, professor. (laughs) Like, just every time it's going to happen now. It's just to give him like these opportunities to do stupid things with that character. Um, and a lot of it's because like his character doesn't get involved in battle necessarily. Like you notice he's always about like fleeing or trying to get characters like entrapped in nets and stuff. So I have to do something a little extra for his character, uh, that makes it fun for the rest of the group. So like coming across another professor and claiming that he was new to get the teacher discount for you guys and rolling the deception was absolutely hilarious. Um, so yeah, I definitely enjoyed that uh and then of course that battle was pretty fun for the most part i ended up having to amp that one up because i figured you guys are not new DD players and obviously when the when they have these level one battles those battles are set for like um you know new characters obviously right or, or new players that are like getting level one and so i ended up amping up that mimic a little bit like it the game tells you oh it has 30 hp and it has disadvantage on attacks Hmm no not in this battle it had like it didn't even really do much anyways no no i know but imagine if i would have gone with what the book said the book was like disadvantage on attacks and 30 hp you guys would have killed it within like one turn yeah so i ended up going like 54 hp and it did not have disadvantage on its attacks um and it worked out well because i was rolling like shit (laughs) the whole time um but this this campaign does have a lot of like you know, backups, like, you know, like when you TPK us the first time we played D and D, you had to make a backup, right? Like this campaign already presets. Like if your party TPKs, this is what could happen type of situation to the infirmary. So yeah, exactly. So I'm like not afraid to like kill you guys off in battle uh, because I know that, you know, you're going to come back in some respect. Uh, but yeah, there's some funny things, uh, overall, um, that are going to happen in this campaign and just haven't yet. Uh, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, and then of course I got to look at what I'm building for next week, but I'm already thinking about like long-term story-wise, like what's going to happen if you all and kind of how does, like how to intertwine what the book has, but also what I have in mind to build up to that point and make it a little more interesting. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. All right. Let's talk. Uh, articles and uh, what's kind of happening in the news. So, gamers are having a hard time finding Metroid Prime remastered physical copies. Uh, so, we'll talk about that with uh, Alex Osorino of Game Rants. Uh, the other thing we're going to talk about is Miyamoto saying that Nintendo is always working on Mario, but isn't ready for the next game reveal just yet. That's Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. Uh, this will be a short one for us to kind of just touch base on. But uh, China is likely to approve the uh, Activision Microsoft acquisition situation going on uh that's trey uh griffith at game rant and then ukraine wants valve microsoft and sony to stop selling atomic heart in the country and that is andy chalk a pc gamer that we're going to cover so the first one here is metroid prime physical copies and i've got a whole rant for you ryan on this one so i am it's driving me absolutely insane so i'm on all these different facebook groups right for video games I, i share a podcast on there I look for new topics. I look at what people are selling, what they picked up, you know, just general stuff to kind of get feedback from the community and see what's going on. And what's really kind of ridiculous and we kind of novice, right? And we've talked about it is the whole idea that like anything Nintendo creates is gold. And if you hold on to it for 30 years, you're going to make $20 type of situation. Like if you think about like all these N64 games and how pricey they are, like, You know, Mario Kart being $45, for example, that's a normal game price. Like, if you bought that game five years ago for $35, congrats, you made a whole $10 because you kept it. Or if you have a sealed copy, good for you. Obviously, you've kept a sealed copy of Mario Kart 64. But there's people nowadays that think, oh, if I have a sealed copy of Metroid Prime remastered, that that game in 10 years is going to be worth a boatload of money. I got news for you. It's not Nintendo's released over a hundred a hundred million Nintendo switch consoles or, or actually sold that many. And there's going to be millions of copies of this game released, right? A sealed copy 10 years from now, is not going to be worth more than, I don't know, maybe a hundred bucks. So you're looking at a 10 year investment to make what $50 and in yeah. tax and shipping and everything else tied to it. It's absolutely ridiculous. So now you've got, this apparent shortage of games because of scalpers, which, yes, there are scalpers selling the game. That's we've seen that happen time and time again. You know why they're doing that? Because all of the collectors out there and all of the Nintendo rabid fanboys are buying up as many copies of a game as they can, thinking it's going to be this crazy collectible game worth tons and tons of money a number of years from now. It's a remaster. Up, it's a remaster. The yeah, original exactly. is the one that would be worth money. I would think so. But I mean, a remaster to graphics are pretty good from what I've heard. Point being, though, is if you don't have this rabid mentality of I need to buy this Nintendo game because it's going to be worth money at some point or I have fear of missing out on grabbing the copy of this game that's going to have millions of copies released. That's the issue, and that's why scalpers continue to do what they're doing. If you don't show as much interest, if you don't try to get every single game sealed and collect it and make it as instant collectible in your mind, well, then what are scalpers going to target? The only reason they're targeting these games is because you're actively going crazy for them. That's the only reason scalpers are involved in any capacity whatsoever. It's because of that rabbit nature. Like You don't see this with PlayStation 4 releases. Well, so like I just pulled this up. Metroid Prime on
1: GameCube complete price is 35 bucks.
0: Yeah. So like GameCube
1: and play it on your Wii. But I mean, like, isn't that like, I would have assumed, you know, with the big boom in prices, especially for like GameCube and stuff is starting to get up there now. Like, I would have thought that that would be higher, but that's still less than this new remaster version. And I would always assume that like the legacy version would be the one that's you know, in less print or harder to find or just the original and thus have more value to it because like it's got a manual and stuff. It plays on the GameCube. Like a little Switch cartridge that you can just download digitally and doesn't come with like a manual or anything just inherently seems less valuable, even though it's like a modern remake of the product.
0: Yeah, well that too. You have digital sales that are encompassing a lot of us as well. So does It drives me crazy. I'm like, there was a page your day where somebody's like, oh, I bought like the collector's edition and then I bought one to play and then I have one that I'm sealing. I'm like, you're keeping sealed. Like, imagine buying three copies of a game because you think that one day your one copy is going to be worth hundreds upon hundreds of dollars when realistically it's not. I mean, we all bought
1: two copies of Mario uh, 3D All-Stars. You eventually returned yours, but that's only up $10 now
0: yeah exactly the game came out what 50 bucks and now it's going for like 65 70 yeah like two years later and it's not like that game's going to go for crazy cr- prices later on because it's been released on so many different you know there's so many variations of it you can get 64 on the ds you can buy it on the switch obviously you can get a uh, galaxy on the wii and play it on your wii u if you really need to like there's digital copies of everything nowadays so you know it's a totally different era of gaming and a totally different era of collecting like great you kind of wish that you had the hindsight back then to keep your earthbound sealed and your other games sealed think like thinking they would be rare and some people did but that was back then like we didn't well know there's back still then gonna happen random today. stuff like devil's third isn't that old no but and those are like legitimately rare games like there are situations where you have legitimately rare games but things like you know oh i have a complete in box copy of mario duck hunt who cares like millions of copies released or I have a sealed copy of breath of the wild on Wii U. I do. Do I, do I care about selling it down the road? No. Like, in fact, I'll probably open it on my Wii U at some point. Um, It just, it drives me crazy. And then of course, when you catch people and there was a guy the other day where he had mentioned that he bought two copies of a game, right? And I was like, so a question for you, why do you need two copies? He's like, oh, well, I like to collect it. I was like, well, why does it matter if you have a sealed copy then? So you plan on selling it, is what you're saying. Like you plan on selling it five, 10 years from now. No, I don't plan on selling it. So then why did you buy two copies of game? Like if you, you're, if it's like just for you, nature. if it's just for you, then you don't need it sealed. It's, maybe it's so he it. can
1: give one to somebody eventually.
0: No, the guy was like, it's for my collection. Okay. Well, you don't need a sealed copy for your collection. Yeah. Like you it, don't need to buy two copies of every single game for your collection. And that's one of the like it's I only see this with Nintendo fans, by the way, I, I never see this with like PlayStation Xbox fans where, oh, I have to keep my game sealed. Like baffles me, dude, just well, absolutely bad. I think people just have that mentality because,
1: you know, Nintendo games used to come in a cardboard box like I, the yeah. the keeping of the cardboard box is what makes that exceptional because there was nothing in the world prompting you to do so like the fact that you had the foresight to do that keep it in good condition keep the manuals and everything together like that forethought and giving somebody else that experience that's why you pay more for complete inbox for something that you just can't get but when it's just like a little stick of plastic in a case with no manual like what are you going back to what's the experience you're getting from cutting open the plastic wrapper on that
0: yeah exactly and then you know and that's one of the reasons i love our friends over at premium edition games so much right yes like their whole concept of you know oh you want a complete version of this game you want the patch guess what you have to open the game you have to play the game you have to experience it oh you want to go ahead and get this other patch that's tied to um you know the game itself yeah okay well you got to play a certain challenge like you have to go through it and the same thing could be said about the retro collections oh you want a retro collection that's cool keep it sealed but it's not going to technically be complete unless you crack it open for x reason or another and okay well you want to keep that one sealed and buy another loose copy well that's more money for them technically because now you bought two copies of the game yeah so you know i i love that concept that they have right um and even I've got like a game sealed from them. And it's not a matter of like, Oh, because I want to keep it sealed. It's because I've just been too damn busy to crack it open and do a video and tag them like my phenotopia copy. I got, I need to crack that game open and play it. Um, you know, cause I don't envision that as something that I ever plan on selling. And if you never plan on selling your collection down the road, why the hell are you keeping things sealed? Why are you buying multiple copies of things? Like people need to start thinking to themselves, like, am I really spending my money wisely here by buying multiple copies of a remaster? Well,
1: I think that that's all like late stage collector mentality. Like I think when you're in the beginning and you're like, or maybe not even just in the beginning, but when you're in the mode of like, you know, collecting and just thriving on doing that and thinking about, you know, the value as the value rather than the value to you because that's really where the line comes in is like at some point you're going to decide you know is this collection worth this much money or is it worth this much how I feel about it and at that line you really don't sealed kind of doesn't matter because like if you're never going to sell it you're barring yourself from enjoying it like it's not like a I don't know People don't really play with collectible action figures, so it's not really the same. Like, there'd be no reason ever to open a collectible action figure unless you wanted to smack them together, you know, yeah, (laughs) and play around.
0: Well, that's collecting
1: for you in 2023, man. Like, are you excited for this game? Do you want this game? I really want this game, so I hope that they make more copies. Because like I have bought almost
0: everything digitally on Switch, but So here's how I know they're going to make more copies of this game. It's not a matter of if it is when Amazon sales are a prime example. You have pre orders an Amazon
1: prime example.
0: (laughs) That's funny. An Amazon prime example. Uh, So you have orders right now. Pre-orders that are not slay the ship until like late March. If this was a limited print run where it was only one print run. They would not have you would not Yeah, they'd be canceled. You would not have orders running into March. That means that they're wa- waiting on Nintendo to fulfill additional orders. Like that's how, you know, right off the bat. So the yeah. whole fear of missing out thing, Nintendo is not going to take one of the most acclaimed games and say one print run and we're done. No, they're going to print out millions upon millions of copies because guess what people Nintendo likes to make money. It was that probably just the do.
1: shadow drop nature of this. Like, they probably yes. ran into some kind of situation, or
0: uh, I don't know. Nintendo's smart about it. You know, shadow drop it, create this crazy demand because they do this for every single damn thing that they release. Maybe they're doing it
1: deliberately to push people because they know that some people are going to have FOMO, so they're going to buy the digital, and then they're going to be collectors, so they're going to want the physical, and then they can never open that copy because they already bought it
0: digitally. Yep. Nintendo is not stupid. Nintendo knows that you think that every single one of their products is worth pure gold. You know, actually,
1: it does make a lot of sense because if this is a $40 game, you buy a physical and a digital copy for 80 bucks. But if it was a full price sixty dollar game, people would probably not be willing to pay one hundred and twenty dollars for two copies.
0: Yeah, so you could have probably made it thirty dollars and been okay too.
1: Well, then they might as well just sold it for full price. But in this way, they made twenty
0: extra bucks off of a lot of people. Yeah, Nintendo's not stupid. Sony did the same thing to PlayStation Five. They claimed chip shortages and everything else, and you know damn well they could have made more PS fives. But they saw the crazy. Well, we were in like console. a
1: worldwide chip shortage. Yes, we
0: were in a worldwide <laughs> chip shortage. It's not to say that they couldn't get more chips. They were just at a premium for the most part. Like the world didn't stop because no chips were being made. It was different companies were bidding on chips. Like, you know, they're being made. Yeah, there's a chip shortage, but they're still being made. Mm-hmm. So, you know, overall, you know, these game companies, they know their consumers. There's literally positions in companies on consumer research. Yeah. Like literally positions on consumer research to say, what should we do with our products moving forward? And Nintendo fans are just some sort of special when it comes to products.
1: Yeah. I mean, not only is Nintendo, you know, always working on ways to make money. Apparently, they're always working on Mario as well. So (laughs)
0: yeah,
1: uh, Miyamoto says that Nintendo is always working on Mario, but just isn't ready for the next game reveal yet. I mean, we just had uh, Mario World open in California, I'm pretty sure. And we have the Mario movie just around the corner and nobody's had a new Mario game to play since Odyssey which was like 7 years ago or 6 years not ago or
0: true something. technically we had the uh, the Bowser's Fury oh the Bowser's Fury but that even that was, even that was a couple new. years ago yeah i know but still net new yeah so well it was
1: a little bit of new on top of a re-release right um cuz it was yeah. Mario 3D yeah, World
0: it, plus Bowser's Fury yeah from the Wii U which is a fantastic game so if you did not pick that game up It is still in the $40 range on eBay. Um, You know, if you wait five years, maybe it'll be $60. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I would I would pick it up now. Act now. Right. If you didn't get a Wii U, it's definitely a good
1: game to play. So, uh, you know, this is one of those things that drives me bananas. Uh, I think that it's great that Mario is, you know, such an icon of Nintendo that they don't really feel pressured to. All right, let's just get this game out to go with the movie like or let's just churn out you know some cheap remake of something you know here's mario 2d and bowser's angry <laughs> remastered or whatever on the side <laughs> bowser's angry that would be the greatest <laughs> mario game ever <laughs> so you know instead they're sticking to their guns they're saying you know what mario needs to be ready and released when mario's ready to be released Too bad they couldn't do this for Pokemon. You know, their other giant series that has multimedia connections that they just
0: throw caution to the wind and put it out of there in whatever state it happens to be in. Hey, look, again, man, Nintendo knows its consumers. They know damn well Pokemon is going to sell regardless if it looks like a PS2 game or a next-gen game. In uh, in this case, a PS2 game. (laughs) And they know you're going to buy it, so they don't care. Uh, Look, just to go back to the other thing, Use your head people like let them know with your dollar, you know, if they should continue certain practices, Pokemon is a prime example, remakes and remasters and all these other things are prime example. Collector's editions are a prime example, like be smart about it. And as a community, I don't know, maybe join up and not buy certain products or like 10 of one. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> and that's the reason that we're in this situation. I'm like I, I really don't have anything against Nintendo fans, but it's just this is just so prevalent on the Nintendo community and not in other communities, I feel. I never have this issue on PlayStation or, or really PlayStation, right? And PC, you don't even have this issue. You can get collector's editions right now for games on PC, but now for years. Um they just don't care uh, yeah. enough. Um plus they got they gotta spend too much money on graphics cards yeah that too <laughs> when you gotta spend like six to eight hundred dollars in a graphics card yeah you don't care about collectibles um what's the last so, mario game you played uh odyssey actually odyssey? i think so I'm it's sure it was odyssey. and
1: that was a while ago for you or when was that i
0: mean unless you count yoshi's crafted worlds which i wouldn't um yoshi's his like, own thing yeah so it would have been odyssey is probably the last thing that i played uh no 64 mario 64 mm. yeah the on the 3d all-stars Yeah. You know, I had to look that up actually. I completely forgot that that thing existed. So when they're like 3D All Stars, I'm like, wait, All Stars released on the Switch? What are they talking about? Like the original (laughs) Mario All Stars. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that those three games came out as 3D All Stars. Because they stopped it, they only did the limited
1: release of it. I think that that was before the Bowser's
0: Fury game, or was that the most recent Mario release? The Bowser series the most recent release. Okay. And it yeah. came out with that remake uh, or remaster. So. I'm always excited for
1: a Mario game. Like I don't even, I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast. I played Odyssey for my new games resolution last year. I'm not the biggest Mario person. I'm really not. And I'm always excited to see what's new with him because I like the enthusiasm that other people get. Like I love watching the completionist complete Mario game or something like that somebody who is really into it and gets that full experience and you know even though it's not my genre he's an icon
0: and i just can't help but love the plumber anyways yeah i mean it's definitely one of my favorite genres in general and um you know i love mario games it always seems like it it puts the stamp on like the new
1: you know where games are going because like Nintendo doesn't necessarily push like the graphical boundaries, but they push kind of like that feeling in me of like, you know, I guess it just comes from like establishing like, you know, here's 3d with Mario 64. And then like with, um, I guess sunshine was like more of like, a It wasn't open world at all. It was like a level-based Mario game, but it had like these big like open zone areas. And there was just so much more like freedom and ability to do things. Like I felt like games were really starting to open up into a lot more that, you know, was involved with them. I I don't know. Mario's just always been there.
0: So I I do want to note, though, I, I might be wrong on this, but... I'm fairly certain they really haven't had like multiple net new Mario releases since like the NES on the same console. And what I mean by that is you had, you know, Mario Bros. 1, 2, and 3, right? And then Lost Levels, I guess, if you want to count that. But then when you look at the Super Nintendo, you had Super Mario World, and then like All-Stars is a re-release of everything. I mean, are you counting Yoshi's Island there? No, I'm not counting Yoshi's Island because it's primarily Yoshi. So you might have had things like Super Mario RPG, right? But do you count that? Not really, cuz it's not a platformer style. If you look at the N64, you had Super Mario 64. But what else did you have? You had Paper Mario, which is totally different. You had Mario Tennis, totally different, you know. Um looking at the GameCube, you had Sunshine, but then what else did you have there? You had like Galaxy, Super Striker, Galaxy 2. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you had Galaxy and Galaxy 2 on the Wii. Right? Oh, galaxy
1: got, two was, oh yeah, that was on the Wii.
0: Damn. You're right. It was just, uh, sunshine. Yeah. So it, it's almost like, and I guess the Wii U technically had a number of first party Mario games. Like you had super Mario, uh, lands on there and then you had the new super Mario Bros. U and then super Luigi U and all that. So you did have some multiple releases there, but when you kind of think, but like even the super Mario Land, I want to say it was on the three DS. And then that was kind of like another version of it in a sense on the Wii U. Like that's how it felt to me. Cause I played both. Um, They're very close together in terms of like the gameplay and what you were actually doing. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It seems like Nintendo does one, maybe two releases. Yeah, you're you right. Know, and console.
1: everything else is sports and smash yeah.
0: and racing. Yep. So I can honestly see this whole comments of like, we're always working on Mario, but it isn't ready for the next game reveal yet being like, going to reveal a new mario game when we reveal the new switch like it's so late in the switch's life cycle why would you release another mario game right now it's not needed um if you want something to sell your next console then the new mario game needs to come out on that next console it's as simple as that so i don't we're not going to get another mario game on a switch uh i definitely think it'll be on the next console and that would be you know, I think we put in our guesses is like spring 2024 or fall 2023.
1: You don't think they make it like a dual release?
0: No, you know, I don't think they need to. You know, like they did that on the Wii U because the Wii U didn't sell that well. I don't. The, the Switch sold like crazy. yeah, but if you put it on
1: the Switch versus on the Switch Two people, only. Then- then people you're going to get gonna... you're only going to be able to sell it to the people on the switch too whereas yeah. on the switch you have millions of people that might never buy another video
0: game console again well,
1: but yeah, still like have me, a switch
0: well you know and nintendo may run into the same issue they did last time unless there's backwards compatibility which
1: this i think it'll be... be
0: easy like i mean the 3ds and the 2ds like all they had
1: was that little thing sticking off to the side on the cart
0: You know, so that it wouldn't fit into the old Switch. I think it's very possible this next console could very much end up like the Wii U was to the Wii. Let's hope not. Let's hope not, but it could. I mean, think about it. Millions of consoles sold. Next console comes out. Backwards compatibility. A little different, but not so much. Well, there's not going to be a pandemic, so it's automatically going to sell less. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, that was kind of the thing. Like, I mean, where would the Wii be if not, or the Switch be if not for COVID? Like, would it have probably tens
0: of millions of less sales? Yeah, possible. Yeah. And PlayStation may have more, you know, at that point. Because Nintendo already had a lot of uh, availability for its console during the pandemic in general. Compared to the other uh, makers. All right, let's dive into our next thing here, which is uh, I was my say, favorite. Spe- speaking of pandemics, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so China is likely to approve Microsoft Activision acquisition. I said that right for the first time. Um, so basically, I mean, we can be really quick on this, right? Like we're obviously seeing these different regu- regulators in different countries or regulators, I guess would be the correct term and all these different countries that are looking to approve or not approve this acquisition. Uh, China is likely to approve it, which would be um, an interesting move given their history with a uh, blizzard uh, in years past. But I also think this is more like a, you know, a smack to the U S and a smack to the West in general going political on it In that, oh, you guys are not looking to move forward with an American based company and an acquisition and you're looking to sue them and everything else, well, hey, look, we're gonna go ahead and let it go through. um, And you're gonna have egg on your face with American consumers as well as just an American company. And we'll hope to do more business with them in the future. So, you know, I, I think there's some political, there's not think there are political ties to this acquisition and it will eventually close despite the fact that it does not look like it will. It will eventually close because backdoor deals are gonna be made And you're going to have different things that are going to come into fruition on the back end that we're not privy to that are going to allow it to go through with these different regulators.
1: I keep wondering in this article is, it was just a few weeks ago, I think, that we were talking about how Blizzard pulled out of China. Like they closed down all their games and stuff and they like toppled some statue like outside of the Blizzard building. So that all just happened recently so you know they're going to approve this deal i wonder if that's going to give them inroads possibly back into china like maybe now that blizzard will be owned by a different entity maybe it's time to go in renegotiate those contracts and and see what happens from there although i know a lot of it was like they were really you know cribbing the style from wow for some new game coming out just pretty blatantly so i mean they're still gonna have that Chinese competitor there but will that change things you know will their easy approval of this deal make Microsoft be like hey China you know how would you feel about some
0: new blizzard or some call of duty well there's kickbacks right Or there might be something along the lines of like hey you want to go ahead and sell your games in China well uh, we're gonna need you to do something for us you know uh, we need you to limit the amount of marketing that you're gonna do in the country. Or you need to help push some of our other games, you know, or with distribution. I mean, there's there's so much that can happen on the back end that we don't know about that allows these deals to go through. And then you have companies like Chili, for example, who already let the deal go through. That was they months made, ago that
1: we talked yeah, about
0: yeah. that. And we were like, oh, well, I guess Chili approved it. Yeah. And now so it's like they're also being sued by the FTC. Yeah. So they, they can, you know, and it's not necessarily that Chili is, um, you know, doing it because, oh, like a slap to the U.S. I think it's more so Chile doing it for economic gain in the country than anything else. You know, you know, maybe there's possibility of like, oh, well, we want you to open up a plant in Chile to help manufacture your discs. I don't know. There's so much crap that could happen on the back end that could be part of a China, you know, oh, well, we want you guys to open up a factory. We'll allow you to sell your games here, but you need to open up a factory for manufacturing here. It's Microsoft, right? Like there's so much that can happen. On the back end, it's not even tied to video games that allows these things to go through. So I guess
1: that's why there needs to be so much regulation and oversight and approvals to make sure that this is really what's most equitable for the most and not necessarily just to enable deals and stuff.
0: Yeah, like, dude, the FTC does not give a shit about the average gamer. Yeah. Like, that's not why they're suing Microsoft. It's not because, oh, Microsoft's going to have too much competition or PlayStation is not going to have Call of Duty. It's what can we get out of Microsoft? Yeah. That's all it is. It's not, it has nothing to do with gamers. So, well, all right.
1: Speaking Let's of into- getting things out of Microsoft uh, and yeah. Valve and Sony, uh, Ukraine wants them to all stop selling Atomic Heart. Have you seen much of the reviews and stuff for Atomic Heart this week? I haven't.
0: I had heard like mixed reactions for it. It's kind of all over. Yeah. Like the big thing here is it's a Russian based developer and there's apparently ties to the Russian government. And so Ukraine is totally against like sales or wants sales out of their country because they feel that, money generated by this company is going to line the pockets of the russian government which in turn is going to be used to fight the war against ukraine i mean Um, if
1: the russians military plan is banking on the success of atomic heart
0: i I think they're already in trouble yeah there's that's the last straw right (laughs) they should have avoided game pass then yeah pretty (laughs) were they on game pass
1: yeah it launched on game pass day one okay so i mean it's they should have avoided it This is one of those games where, you know, it's not going to be remembered for like ever. I don't think I think this is probably going to be kind of like a flash in the pan title. Some people really liked, some people didn't really like, but nothing escapes, you know, the controversy of what's happening in the real world. There's been so many teams and games and like even I think the guy who did the audio like the music for this game. I think he donated like all of his money to Ukraine or something. So, you know, the support for Ukraine has been so huge and, you know, certainly, you know, Russian studios have made, um, you know, statements, you know, they said that they're, you know, very, you know, pro peace and anti-human violence, but, you know, they
0: haven't called out the war though.
1: Well, the conditions could be that, you know, because they are owned by certain interests, that could be it. You know, all right, you guys are all traitors, you know, and that's not treated the same in every country. So, you know, for them to not be speaking out isn't necessarily a condemnation, uh, you know, or necessarily, you know, just like acceptance either. You know, they could just be in a tight situation. And so, like, I feel for those devs. I mean, this game was in development long, long before any of this stuff happened, you know, and they've had to certainly make accommodations the way that any studio had during, you know, pandemic and overcoming all of those challenges. So it it sucks for them to just be on the wrong side of a border in this situation. But. I don't know. I'm just never pro like censorship from a government. And, you know, if they want to discourage sales in their own country, I guess that's fine. But I don't think that they should necessarily be trying to like stop this from being sold everywhere. Like they say limit. I don't know what limit means. Like, sorry, we've sold 10 copies
0: today. No more. Well, here's the thing. Like I'm with you on the no censorship aspect you know, it, it's not needed. And, you know, people need to start considering like the dev on the other end, like you said, they may be completely against this war. They can't speak out about it. Like automatically, I'm not going to say like the S word here of, you know, jumping out of places. Um, but that is an automatic that situation. Right. And I, I didn't say it because obviously I don't want it to get flagged or like Apple or something, but you know, that's really the situation there, you know, or arrest. And your family going through, you know, additional hardships, basically, because you decide to speak out. And that's just what it is in that country, right? And and I doubt, you know, they've
1: got it any better than devs here. Like, how many devs do you know here that are, you know, not... Hold on, what am I trying to say? Like, they're probably... Not super well paid or super well appreciated, they're under this, you know, pretty steep regime of pressure from above, you know, to just perform like devs in any game. So it's like they worked really hard to do all this and they just kind of get punished for it,
0: yeah, yeah. And then obviously, making calls to like, you know, not sell a game that doesn't benefit those people you know, yeah, sure, money is going to get funneled in, but, like, do you realize all of the special interests tied to oil and everything else, you know, within Russia? Like, the amount of money being generated. Like, one game is not, like you said, one game is not going to be the difference maker on this war. Yeah. Like, now, unless they were pumping out tons and tons of games and making billions of dollars on an annual basis.
1: Or, like, sure, saying that all of the profits from this game are going directly to fund the war effort. Like, they're yeah. they're worried about... People buying this game and the devs making the money and then having to pay taxes on their profits like they're worried about the taxes going to the government. Well, you know, anything that anybody in Russia is going to do is going to go there.
0: Yeah. Oh, you want to eat a cheeseburger? Well, a portion of your proceeds have gone to defeat Nazis in Ukraine, apparently. Right. Like that's, you know, well, great. We're going to get flagged on that. <laughs> what I just Don't said. say stuff like that. John. Don't say stuff like that. But, you know, that's kind of the point, right? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into uh, the next piece here, which is our inflation deflation for the week. And this is Uniracers on the Super Nintendo. In Ryan's case, on VPC, it was developed by DMA Design. It was published by nintendo designed by mike daly and robbie graham i feel sorry for them after we talk about a certain section Uh, it was released in december of 1994 it is a racing game reception is around an eight on average so the overall plot here is uh the gameplay uniracers involves racing rideless unicycles around a 2d track heavy emphasis is placed on performing stunts Uh, performing stunts Causes the unicycle to go faster on race or circuit tracks and earn more points on stunt tracks. The stunts can be performed um, and they're relatively simple, uh, mostly only involving jumping in the air and rotating about given an access in a 3D space. The idea is to be able to perform these stunts quickly in tight situations while landing the unicycle on its wheel to avoid wiping out. While the result in the loss of accumulated speed, if you obviously wipe out, Whoa, I just hit my thing. So it's going to be loud. Yep. So, uh, overall it was a very, very interesting game. Um, I dove into this, of course, like I try to do with most games with no outside knowledge whatsoever on like what I was going to experience. I figured I had to deal with unicycles, but I thought there might be people at least. Uh, and that was not the case. So Um, I will say I probably played about like 20 minutes of this because you, you frankly could probably get out of this with 10 minutes and get the entire gist of the game. Uh, you have, uh, four different types of speeds or really track races that you can go about. And then each of those like, kind of like Mario Kart, you know, your leaf and mushroom cup and all that. So you've got four different like circuits and each of his circuits has like four or five different races. And then you can pick a racer out of a number of unicycles that makes no sense because they are named after people. So I picked, uh, I think it was Robbie is a unicycle I picked and you race against in my case, a white unicycle, and that's all you race against. And you just go through these 2d tracks and these tracks have just it. I will say if you have, if you're prone to seizures, do not touch this game. <laughs> there is a lot of flashing, a lot of colors on screen. Um, a lot of different hoops and things that you go around. Uh, The track can kind of split in multiple directions. Uh, It'll go, uh, you could be going right at one point and it'll loop around, it has you going left and you're bouncing between different areas all while trying to go ahead and maintain a variety of different simple tricks to gain that speed and also jump over certain obstacles like uh, slime in one of the levels uh, was an obstacle. And of course you're trying to race against an individual. Um, I will say graphically for me, Uh, It just didn't cut it. There wasn't a lot going on. It was literally like it felt like a flash game on the PC where, you know, like the one with the little T-Rex where you keep running. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Line Rider. Yeah, like there just wasn't a lot going for it graphically and like gameplay wise, it there wasn't a lot going for it there either because you're just literally pressing forward racing and then that's it. I mean, you can play two players and race against each other but i don't know like how much fun and enjoyment you would get out of you know playing this game two player for hours on end i will say though the music was pretty fire overall like it was good music so i did enjoy that component and that's kind of what got me into like continuing to play but overall it was okay wasn't yeah. my favorite yeah. so some things that I, i'll
1: elaborate on here so all of the tracks are just um A line that your unicycle rides on and it's not like a a going into space like it's not like Mario Kart for Super Nintendo where you're like, you know, driving in like through a pseudo 3D world. This is just you moving left or right along a track that kind of loops around on itself or like doubles back and you do have to like change the direction you're holding depending on which way you're going with the track. Uh, As you jump and perform tricks, you gain speed boosts, which is how you can kind of control your, I I don't know, how fast you're going, sort of. I I had a really hard time with this. Uh, I was playing, like I said, emulating through a computer because I was trying to hack my SNES Classic and I was not able to do it in time. But it it was not good. It's not good. I did not have a good time trying to play this. I actually do really want to try to finish my SNES Classic. Man, that came out weird. SNES Classic and get this on there and actually try it with the controls or maybe try it next week when I come over to your place or something. But I don't know. Uh, This game has good ratings. It's got like an 8 to 9 out of 10 on a lot of
0: places. And Yeah, there's some that are like 5 and 6 though.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's got more good reviews than bad reviews. Yeah. So, I mean, people,
0: you know, said that this could be, you know, it said, let's see here. Well, you know what? Maybe those good reviews were paid off, and that's where they ran out of money fighting their battle against Pixar. Mm. So, apparently, uh, this game, Pixar, uh, sued this, you know, developer, saying that their unicycles looked exactly like the unicycle from... A, like a short film or something that they created, which is hilarious because a unicycle can only be animated so many ways. And they said, well, the motion of a unicycle and its actions and how it's animated look exactly like Pixar. So they're in the wrong. And apparently Pixar owned all rights to unicycles at that point in time. And there was a judge that sided with them. Uh so I, I don't know what judge that was. He must have been paid very handsomely uh, by Pixar and obviously not paid by the unicycle team or what is it? You uh, know, DMA racers design. Team. Yeah. DMA design, you know, racers team uh, to make that happen. So very interesting uh, lawsuit back then. And essentially what ended up happening was they had to cease production of this. So there was like 300,000 copies sold. And then that was it. like they so were no, done. That puts it in a, a pretty decent
1: place. Actually, if we break down the brass tacks on this one, we're looking at a, what is it? Complete inbox 112.23. Uh, that peaked at 148.01 back in December of 22. That is currently trending down. Uh, loose copy will run you 16.36. That peaked at 22.12 back in March of 2022. And John, this is one of those situations where I want to ask you. So you've got this game loose, right? Yeah. So would it be worth it for you to spend, you know, the extra $34 to pick up the box and manual and assemble the complete price? Is that what it costs? Complete is 112.
0: Box is 3106 and manual is 1223. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I should do that right now, actually. Yeah, I mean, that would that would make sense 100% um, to do that. But I think it also kind of speaks to the fact that that complete and box might be overpriced too. Mm-hmm. that average. But yeah, if that's the case, I may have to buy a box and a manual today and just get rid of my copy because it's not exactly the best game ever.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, with the limited release of this game, the interesting backstory of being sued by Pixar, like this game has some stuff involved with it like some games are just you know hey this was like a trash game whatever nobody really has much to say about it but like something like this that has like i don't know just a smidge of controversy just like a very limited i mean i don't know how very 300 copies is but you know it's not it's not a whole lot in the grand scheme of there's billions of us on the planet yeah. um you know it, it does make for an interesting kind of title and i would say that Maybe once I'm able to play this and, and get a handle on the controls, or maybe it is really fun to player, like maybe we should have taken some time to sit down and play this together last week. That might have made a big difference. But with the reviews and everything, I'm going to say that, you know, 16 bucks for something like this doesn't sound too outrageous, honestly. So your thing is just right? I think so. Like, I mean, it. I wouldn't call it overpriced. Like, it's not like... It's not like a bad platformer where there's just no reason to do it. Like if this is legitimately like a fun two player head to head racing game, you know, once you get a handle for the controls and the tricks and stuff, I mean, 15 bucks doesn't seem like a bad price for something that's got like a limited release, you
0: know, a little bit of a story with it. Yeah, I'm on the opposite way, but I think this is a $10 game. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at. I think it's completely inflated. I don't know why anybody would ever pay $22 back in March, you know, that's obviously likely a situation where the entire market was up and that's that's why it was going for that. I don't think it's worth it. Um I had my little bit of fun with it, but it just wasn't enough to like captivate me. Maybe you're right. Maybe we play two players next week just kind of get a few levels in and see how we feel and we kind of talk about that experience. Uh but you know, honestly, if I saw it for 10 bucks, would I grab it? Probably not, given that I've already played it. I don't think this is a game that I would touch. If it was in a bundle, which is how I ended up with this game, then sure, I would pay a bundle price, mm-hmm. you know, and have it tossed in. But going out of my way to pay 15 bucks or $10? Nah, not for me. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's my opinion. I think it's inflated. You've convinced me. <laughs> nice. Well... All right. I don't know what we're gonna play next week. This is always the case, right? Um we'll figure it out. You're here in person, so we'll play two games. We'll play yeah, we'll we'll knock we'll try to play out. two games. Yeah, we'll figure it all out. But um kind of feeling honestly, I'm kinda feeling Eldest Souls on the PS5. Okay. I to give that a shot, you know, since I just got that. Okay. Uh, that might be a, that might be a pretty cool yeah. one to check out. So we'll see. We'll see what we got. Or stray. Could pop in stray as well that is an option yeah double ps5 that would be pretty cool we haven't done that before actually we haven't we've only reviewed one ps5 game so far what was it odd world odd world yeah so all right well this has been episode 224 of game players podcast my name is john i'm ryan and thanks for listening